Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This podcast is supported in part by the Bertha Foundation. You know what's a shame about our podcast, Lewis? Do you, how long do you have? <laughs> <laughs> is that no one gets to hear on the podcast the intermittent, the, the jazzy number that, that's provided with the stream. Yeah, it, it's the best part of the podcast. In that way, uh, our intro is like podcast jazz. The, the notes you don't hear are, are what really makes it sing. <laughs> it reminds me of like a old David Jones ad or something like that. I'm ready to pay good money for expensive horticulture. Yeah, and I can talk about it all day and it's infuriating for the audience because they have no context. <laughs> All right. First of all, Lewis, I want to thank our new Patreon supporters. Um, we have got so many this week. I don't know how it happened. I don't know. Maybe it was the top quality guests of last week, Amy Ramikis and Leslie Hughes and Adam Zwar. We should book them again uh, because the following people have signed up as fear mongers and fright mongers. Ben Ford, Con, Aaron Cook, Cameron Ong, Oliver C, Cheryl Parker and Kate Plastow. Thank you so much. It's really amazing. Seven, Lewis. This is the biggest week we've ever it's had. It's incredible. It's almost like there were like... Scott Morrison was offering 50% discounts on every Patreon to watch the fear. <laughs> we are losing our main source of revenue in July. That is the Bertha Fat Fellowship that I'm on. Um, so hopefully we can boost this over the next little bit and boost it up um, so we have a bit more revenue to head into the Australian election. Mm. I've also got one more announcement, Lewis, before we start the show. We're doing a Melbourne International Comedy Festival show Sunday the 11th of April, 8.30pm at the Melbourne Town Hall. Gabby Bold is on. Alice Fraser is on, James Cal- Colley is on, uh, Sammy Shah is on, and some guy called Lewis Hobber is also on. Amazing. Again, I love <laughs> I love these intros for working out my schedule. <laughs> uh, yeah, make sure you pencil that yeah, date in. We're going to need you on the 11th in, Mel- in Melbourne. <laughs> Links to tickets are in the show notes. I'm recording my end of Irrational Fear on Gadigal land and urination. Sovereignty was never ceded. We need a treaty. Let's start the show. Irrational Fear contains naughty words like Brexit. Canberra Fair Dickum and Section 40 A Rational Fear recommends listening by immature audiences. 
Tonight, Dan Andrews is in hospital after trying too hard to prove he has a spine, while federal Labor backbenchers are keen to emphasise that this is not the leadership's bill they were looking for. And fresh concerns as to the ramification of Harry and Meghan's Oprah Winfrey interview on the health of Prince Philip, with many in the UK media asking, if a 99-year-old man dies, how and why is it Meghan Markle's fault? And this week marks the first anniversary of the JobKeeper announcement. The major milestone also marks nearly 12 months since Prime Minister Scott Morrison did something. It's the 12th of March 2021 and the Melbourne Comedy Festival is only one month away. This is Irrational Fear. Irrational Fear! Welcome to Irrational Fear. I'm your host, Dan Illich, former presenter of Good Morning Britain, and this is Irrational Fear, the podcast that takes the scariest stories and helps us laugh it in their face. In other words, it's kind of therapy for people who read Twitter. Let's meet our fear mongers for tonight. Her TV pilot, Why You Like This, was one of, had one of the best semen jokes I've ever witnessed on television, which made me think this is never, ever going to get up on television. From the Netflix series, Why You Like This, it's Naomi Higgins. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Oh, such a why you like this is such a great show, oh, and it's thank so, you. so thrilling to see you see you have enormous success with it. Thank you, Dan. Um, yes, available on ABC iView right now for anyone listening. <laughs> How lucky are you? <laughs> and he's one part of the drive team from Triple J's Hobber and Hing. He's here because he's not allowed to promote his own comedy festival show on his own national radio program. <laughs> it's the un unrotable Michael Hing. Hello, everybody. Um, thank you, thank you. Uh, yeah, the ABC continues to be a. Digital a dictatorial regime, a um, an albatross around a my state neck, broadcaster, thwarting my success at every every opportunity. Oh yeah, they really like uh, living in squalor, haven't they? Hing? I mean, in the room for the people who can't see um, the um, the video link. Uh, I am currently recording this from my uh, sister's childhood bedroom. So yeah, you know, it, it is important to remember that Michael Hing is the only national drive time radio host who lives with his parents. <laughs> And our last guest is performing at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival at the Melbourne Town Hall at 8.30pm on Sunday the 11th of April in a live version of the award-winning comedy podcast Irrational Fear, it's Lewis Hover. Hello, Dan, yes. And also, like Michael Hing, the ABC uh, has stopped me from promoting this uh, podcast live. Obviously, the other thing that stopped me was I just found out about it a minute ago, but it's those two things. Coming up, we speak with national treasure Karl Kruzniski. He's got a new book about climate change. We'll ask him how many copies do we have to burn to meet our targets for the Paris Agreement. But first, here's a message from this week's sponsor. The federal government is giving away 800,000 half-price plane tickets to anywhere in Australia that is a marginal electorate. There's never been a better time to see the seven swinging wonders of Australia. Walk through the colossal women's rugby union change rooms of Redcliffe, Queensland. It's huge! Or hike through the poisoned wasteland where the hanging native grasslands of Jamland once grew. Or fly to secluded Kangaroo Island to stay in your own private shack to experience how the emperors of the Great Pyramid Scheme of Paladin once lived. Swinging by swing seats has never been this cheap. 
All you have to do is just sell a little tiny part of your soul. If you book through Hello World, use the offer code, one word, all lowercase, I know Matthias Corman, and you'll get a surprise discount you'll have no idea about. Um, obviously, uh, free travel. <laughs> There's nothing marginal about the seven swinging wonders of Australia. Do pack a jacket, because anywhere you go, it's going to be Bell weather. As we heard from this week's sponsor, it's a travel bonanza going on. The federal government is giving away 800,000 half-price tickets on certain plane routes around the country. Qantas CEO Alan Joyce calls it targeted support. I'm sure that's also the code name that ScoMo gave it behind the scenes because it is so targeted. Those routes are targeted at swinging voters in marginal electorates, uh, whereas the hardest hit tourism sectors like Sydney aren't seeing any of these tickets as part of this scheme whatsoever. You can book a ticket to the Bellwether electorate of Eden Monaro, however, which, of course, has uh, has uh, the wonderful Mount Kosciuszko. It's also got the the ruins of the burnt-out houses of people who have yet to receive federal funding to rebuild after last year's Black Summer bushfires. You can see all the sites of Eden Monaro. It's amazing. Fearmongers, um, what marginal electorates are you most looking forward to visiting this year? Well, I mean, I did see that. Uh, thrilling for me. I, I, I'm sure all of our guests can name the marginal electorates off the top of their head <laughs> and put them in order of funniest to least funny. But uh, I'll jump in quickly and uh, and just say that they are sending going to Avalon Airport, which is right near Geelong. So even though I do think this is a politicised nightmare, it is handy for me to go and visit my parents. <laughs> and in that way, has Scott Morrison bought your vote, Lewis? Uh, well, uh, you know I can't talk about that, Michael, for the same reason we can't talk about our show on our show. Can I say, looking at this list of, yeah. uh, like, I guess, like theoretically tourist destinations, like the, they are not all, I would say, equal tourist destinations. Obviously one of them's the Gold Coast, the most um, touristy place in the entire country. Other places, though, slightly less touristy. Obviously, Avalon in, uh, amongst those. How um, dare you? Geelong. How dare you? <laughs> it's exactly halfway between oh. Melbourne and Geelong. It's the Canberra of Victoria. It's a mm, beautiful yes. town. Yeah. It's got an airport. Yep. It's got yep. um, the, the entrance road to the airport. And, mm-hmm. and, and there's, I think there's even an exit road as well. It's amazing down there. Not at all. Full service industry. Uh, Naomi, as someone who lives in Victoria, can I ask um, an Avalon-specific question? Is there a Hollywood on the Gold Coast in Avalon? Is that a thing that exists? Because there's one on the Gold Coast. There's a Hollywood on the Gold Coast on the Gold Coast. <laughs> there's, you know, there's an, there's an Avalon in Sydney, so Avalon is, uh, is the Avalon of Victoria. Look, I'm willing to say that. Avalon is where John Travolta flies his planes to. You can put that on the record. I I don't know that. I don't know if that's a fact at all. He can fly planes, right? So let's say yeah. Ninety percent of people who go to Avalon just didn't check their tickets when they bought flights to Tullamarine. So in in that way, every flight to Avalon is a mystery flight. This is exactly this is exactly the point. This is why you have to double check every ticket you buy to Melbourne so you don't mm. end up. Yeah, you're like, oh, that's a great price. Oh, I have to go to Avalon Airport. I'll pay the seven hundred dollars more. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and when Jetstar were first starting, you know, a ticket to Avalon kind of sounded nice because in Sydney, you know, we have an Avalon. It's quite nice. Yeah. Uh, but the Avalon in Victoria is slightly different. Yeah, no, my only memory of going to Avalon is um, going with my um, best friend in high school to see off her Finnish exchange student boyfriend um, and her just standing there crying for an hour. Um, and that's about as much fun as anyone has in Avalon, I think. 
for a moment there, I, th- I thought you said he, she was going to finish off her boyfriend at Avalon. <laughs> thought, if you're going to bury someone, that is the best place yeah, to no bury someone know. in the shallow grave. <laughs> the, it is, does raise a good question, uh, good point there, Michael. I think rather than giving out free tickets to every uh, marginal electorate, they should give every marginal electorate a Hollywood on the Gold Coast. I mean, obviously, obviously. <laughs> you know, that would certainly win my vote. I'll say it here right now. You build a theme park in my local electorate, I'll vote for whoever, whichever party is by, is building more roller coasters in Not to mention, uh, as a jobs creator, that means every marginal electorate gets to elect one fat guy to work as Batman. Of course, of course. <laughs> That's job creation. Jobs for the big boys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, finally, my drama degree is going to come in handy. <laughs> This is Michael McCormack talking about this travel ticket discount. Uh, Can you guys figure out what he means by the following? Now, we're extending, as the Prime Minister has just said, the domestic aviation network support dance. We're extending the regional airline network support rams. We're also adding the aviation, the, the tourism aviation network support TAMS. So we've got rams. We've got Dan's, we've got Tans, and I know Virgin and Qantas are going to be big fans of what we're doing today. I know all Australians are going to be big fans of what we're doing today because it's going to get those tourists to their places. Fearmongers, what does fans stand for? Fuckheads. Watching unfunny people laugh at terrible jokes. I mean, it, it was honestly like watching the recording of a podcast. It was uh, it's a- truly humiliating for all of them to be involved with. It also, have you ever seen that uh, that video where uh, Marshall Mathers, aka Eminem, um, seeks to disprove that nothing rhymes with orange, and he just sits there. He's like orange. It's got a orange. <laughs> Because I got that's, that's Michael McCormack right there. Like it's just <laughs> a white guy doing unnecessary rhymes to the dismay of everyone around him. <laughs> yeah, he's spitting bars. Who knew McCormack had bars? Oh god. Yo, yo, turn my headphones up. Here we go. I'm in. <laughs> Irrational fear. I put my orange four-inch door hinge in storage. And ate porridge with George. This is a rational fear. This week's second fear. Uh, the great apes in zoos around the United States are receiving their COVID-19 vaccines. An orangutan in San Diego Zoo was the first to get a COVID-19 vaccine. Now, back in 1994, she was also the first great ape to get open heart surgery. And get this, there's probably a reason why she was first. Her name is Karen. Uh, yeah, this, <laughs> this orangutan at San Diego Zoo could have used her giant arms to climb to the top of waiting lists, but no, she complained her way. Um, Hing, does it does it worry you that these great apes are getting the jab before you? Well, I, it initially did because uh, I was like, hang on, hang on. Let's just be, you know, in terms of job creation, I'm making many more jobs than any of these great apes. But then I found out there was only like 8,000 of them left. And I thought, all right, fair enough. There's... You know, there's pl- <laughs> let's play more comedians. You know, we could send yeah, lose a few. Yeah. Then, as I was reading up more about it, they're not getting the regular vaccine that we're all getting. They're getting a special ape vaccine. They're getting a gorilla vaccine, like a primate-specific vaccine that um, we're not allowed to have. But, of course, as soon as I found out that there was a gorilla vaccine, Dan, 
that's the one I want. I want the gorilla vaccine, you know? <laughs> Put the AstraZeneca one back in the box. Give me the uh, give me the King Kong vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like ketamine is horses. Yeah, exactly. 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 I imagine similarly in the way that ketamine is able to put horses to to sleep, um, this gorilla yeah. vaccine will, t- you know, give me gorilla-like um, qualities, be able to swing from trees, et cetera, et cetera, speak with Tarzan, you know, all the things I've always wanted to do. Hey, uh, hey, uh, hey, buddy. Hey, buddy, you want some G? Some G for you. <laughs> it is a, it's a, it feels like for anyone who thinks of Planet of the Apes as a documentary, this feels like the place where it starts. This feels like the crossover mm. point where a couple of people desperate for the vaccine, Michael Hing, et cetera, start doing kind of raids. They get the they get the gorilla jab. The next thing you know, you know, the the humans and the and the apes are crossing over, and all of a sudden there's an ape called Karen yelling at the Statue of Liberty, going, actually, that was my planet. It was my planet. <laughs> okay, you know what? You know what? You're all piping, you're all having a little talk about oh privileges, privilege. You know what I see? I see three men trying to keep a good woman down who's breaking glass, glass ceilings, and I'm not having it. <laughs> uh, Naomi, this good woman is an ape. <laughs> <laughs> this woman's an ape. That's so yeah. brooding. Well, I mean, Dan, did you say that this woman? Uh, this woman, did you say, Dan, did you say that this ape also had open heart surgery back in the nineties? Yeah, nineteen ninety four. She had open heart surgery, which means you know she's she's definitely at risk. It is crazy to me that apes in the San Diego Zoo have better health care than most Americans. That is wild. <laughs> that is insane. Yeah, well, you know, it's she just sits around doing nothing, so she's clearly obese. You know, she's very trapped. She could get a job as Batman at Hollywood <laughs> on the Bell Coast. <laughs> Irrational fear! When you were in politics, a group of male politicians who called themselves the Swinging Dicks sought to block your career aspirations. I believe it was big swinging dicks. So there was obviously an overexcited imagination on the part of some, I would suggest. A rational fear. Um, this week's third fear, speaking of great apes, Piers Morgan. <laughs> For those who aren't following closely as people on the internet are, Piers Morgan, one of uh, Britain's most well-known glazed hams, stormed <laughs> off the set of ITV's Good Morning Britain program where, when a reporter on the panel caught him out for being too harsh on Meghan Markle's interview with Oprah Winfrey. Piers said he did not believe a word that the Duchess had said during her interview with Oprah uh, and then got called out and Morgan then in turn quit the program entirely. Now, the day after, ITV's shares dropped 3.8% or about £200 million. Now, we all know Morgan is carrying a bit of extra weight, but £200 million, (laughs) very very surprising, very surprising stuff. Since then, the Duchess has actually filed a formal complaint about Morgan to ITV, which kind of makes me wonder, does she have any weight anymore? Because she's no longer really in the the royal family. (laughs) Is Morgan being a bit of a sook here for no reason? Oh, there's a reason. There is a reason. Did you know? <laughs> I know what the reason is. He had a drink. What's the reason? He had a drink with Meghan Markle years ago, and it was the same. He had a drink with her. I don't know if he thought it was a date, but um, she then left that drink and went to a party and met Prince Harry that night. Piers Morgan never heard from her again, and he used to say all these things about Meghan, my friend, my friend Meghan Markle, and then something turned when she ghosted him, in his words. And so I think that's his, like, you know, years-long campaign to, like, smear her name is just based on a woman rejecting a man, which who's surprised? <laughs> <laughs> it, was this a beautiful moment of schadenfreude for women everywhere, Naomi? 
Oh, absolutely. Especially because he was so mad at her for leaving the royal family. And then a guy and then a guy literally said, She's allowed to not call you back. And he stormed out. <laughs> and now he's like, and now he's got like fired from the show. It's amazing. He, and also he must get used to that. Like I I assume millions of people have ghosted Piers Morgan over the years. Right. <laughs> I mean, you have one drink with him and you're like, well, I'm not going to make that mistake Is again. it just that normally when people don't return his calls, he hacks their phones? <laughs> <laughs> do, do, we th- do we think he genuinely quit, though? Do we think that was all, or do you think the entire thing was orchestrated? Well, it's hard to know. Like, I, I, have a, I asked my UK media source about this um, and he reckons Piers Morgan is out of contract at the end of the year, mm. so he probably doesn't care too much and it could help him renegotiate a deal or he could use this stunt to get leverage on a sweet new deal with a brand new news channel that's launching in the UK called GB News. Oh. Now, GB, have you heard about GB News? No, but I'm assuming uh, it's right wing. <laughs> okay, well, well let, let's try and figure that out. I'll, I'll give you some clues and you can figure this out okay. for me. Uh, it's run by the former CEO of Sky News Australia. Oh, okay. what? Uh, I'm so surprised. <laughs> Angelos Frangiopoulos, Angelo Frangiopoulos. Now, I'm going to read out a few things that Angelo Frangiopoulos has said about GB News and maybe we can play a game together called, um, I don't know, Dog Whistle. Uh, <laughs> all right. I'll read out. I'll, I'll bark I'll if I hear something. <laughs> exactly. If you can all bark, if you can, when you know the answer, I'm going to read out a sentence. The first person to bark can translate that sentence for me. Okay. So can I just test your barks? Lewis, can I get a bark from you? Oh, that's good. Hing, can I get a bark from you? Ho, 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 ho. can I get a bark from you? Oh, that's good. Excellent. All right, here, here we go. Now, here are some things that Angelo Frangiopoulos has said about what GB News is going to be. The first sentence, GB News will be staunchly independent. Mm. Okay, so far that could mean anything. All right. I mean, maybe right. I'll put it up. <laughs> it's going to be like pro-Brexit, like and independent as in like, uh, immune to criticism. <laughs> the next thing he said is, we are proud to be adding plurality to the UK media market by investing in journalism that will be as diverse and as broad-minded as the British people themselves. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. No, me. <laughs> Libertarianism. <laughs> Hing, did you want to add, did you want to add something well, there? Well, I just wonder, I mean, how diverse are the, the uh, is the British populace in their minds? Because when they think, when they say <laughs> British, they really really mean only white Britons. That's who they're speaking to because that's how they define Britain. And I think in this case it's like we want to be as broad-minded as as not the left-wing media that is currently on the BBC. Mm. Uh, here's, the final, here's the final thing he said, and I wonder what he means by it. We are absolutely committed to our mission to report news in the most accurate and balanced way as we can. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Unless it involves climate change or other scientific-based facts. <laughs> I feel like we've heard all this before. <laughs> Irrational fear. We have two American women, Meghan Markle and Oprah Winfrey, who are single-handedly finishing what George Washington and our revolutionary counterparts did. I'm all for it. Okay. Irrational fear. Our next guest needs no introduction for our Australian listeners, but for context for everybody else, in 2014, he was listed as Australia's most trusted person by Reader's Digest. 
only beaten by the Wiggles. He's a national treasure here in Australia and a leader in science communication around the world. And the, he's the bloke, bloke who actually got me into broadcasting. Um, he actually got me in when I was in year 10. I spent a day with him hanging out, the, hanging out at the ABC. His name is Dr. Karl Kruzniski. He's got a new book about climate change right here. And he joins us now on Irrational Fear. Welcome, Carl. Ahoy. Look, that's the sweetest introduction anybody's given. But really, I only ever got to number seven on the um, Australia Most Trusted list. And while I did bounce up and down, overall the trend was that by the year 2435, I'll be down at 100 on the trusted list just below (laughs) Chappelle Corby. (laughs) Well, and by then you will be able to be on Dancing with the Stars, Carl. I've got to work on it, man. <laughs> uh, Carl, it's so great to have you on the podcast again. Returning podcast guest, you did one of our very first shows at the FBI Social a long time ago. You've written a book about climate change, and uh, like, why write another book about climate change? There's so many of them, Carl. There's so many books about climate change. Don't we all know about climate change? Well, okay. I wrote my first story on climate change in 1981. For or against? Were you born then? <laughs> Right, and I've been banging on about it ever since. So this book uh, took me a long time to write and I'll summarise the 15,000 words in five sentences. Sentence number one, we've been doing science on climate change since 1820 and in the 1970s and 80s, the biggest funders of the real science were the fossil fuel companies. But in the year 1990, uh, the scientists said the climate change was real and in that same year, the fossil fuel companies chucked a U-turn and started denying it, and by 2013 were spending a billion, billion dollars a year denying it. Sentence number two, why do you burn fossil fuels? And the answer is because they're so loaded with energy. The energy in one barrel of oil, 50 bucks, is equal to the energy going flat out that a labourer can deliver at a cost of $500,000 over 10 years. And if you burn over 10 years, you get the labour of a labourer and you save um, $499,950. If, however, you burn the fossil fuel at the rate of two or three barrels a minute, you can shift um, 600 people uh, all the way to London in 21 and a half hours. So how many labourers do we have to burn uh, <laughs> to power a plane well, from Well, you should London? remember the following – that without plumbers, you have no civilization. <laughs> oh, we have a comment on the line saying, wait, Dr. Carl is now burning labor? I don't think he means that. <laughs> uh, number three, we've actually, um, the, the, the heat of global warming uh, trapped by the greenhouse gases is 400,000 atom bombs per day. Am I am I crazy in, in thinking that that 400,000 uh, Hiroshima bombs oh, is it's a short load. Luckily, 93% of the heat goes into the ocean. If it did not, the air temperature would be 35 degrees higher and the average air temperature on Earth would be 55 degrees and we'd be all dead. And when last year on the 4th of January, Sydney became the hottest place on Earth with a temperature of, what was it, 48.5, call it 50, instead it would have been 85 and we'd all be dead. Wow. The disadvantage is that we're having uh, things happening in the oceans like the Great Barrier Reef and the other reefs bleaching, which never happened before. Fourth thing, besides all the other stuff we've done, we've actually tipped the earth off its axis by redistributing about a billion tonnes of ice every year. Point number five, we can fix and reverse global warming. Uh, The only thing stopping us is the um, $1 billion a year that the fossil fuel companies are spending. But I have worked out a way to reverse global warming cheaply, which is, and unfortunately this is illegal, 
we simply bribe the politicians back. Australian mm. politicians are so cheap. <laughs> For five thousand dollars, you get anything you want. This is the thing. I, I've, I've, we've thought, and this is something we've discussed on the podcast before. They, the, the bribes or the lobbying money that they get is so inconsequential. Like it's something that we could donate <laughs> a year's worth of our Patreon to. Uh, great. Another reason I won't get paid for this podcast. <laughs> I mean, it's possible. I mean, it's possible to do. It. Like, it's it's you know, like six thousand dollars gets you a, a return of like hundreds yeah, of millions the, of dollars. The, the normal yeah. return, Naomi, is a thousand to one. And if you put in ten thousand dollars to the re-election fund of a liberal of of, of any party, doesn't matter which one. If you put in ten thousand dollars, you get a thousand times back ten million dollars. That's, you get roughly back a thousand to one if you look at it averaged out over the last three decades. That's what you get for donating to a political party. It doesn't matter wow. which one; they're all the same. We need new politicians, and if any of you run for politics, <laughs> I will vote. Mind you, none of you voted for me in two thousand seven. But even though it's like a knife into my heart, I still <laughs> accept that. I still love you, uh, Carl. Can I just can we talk about that for a second? To do that, to run for politics, you have to do a number of things. You have to leave the university, leave the ABC. You have to leave a whole bunch of things that gave you secure employment in your life so you can run on a climate change ticket. And you didn't run as number one on the ticket. You ran as number two and you're the most famous person that you could have run as number one. No. Do you ever regret the, that? The education was fantastic. <laughs> I pay for my coffee. I pay $10,000 every year for scientific journals to read and I paid a quarter of a million for that education. Wow. But it was a great education. What I learned from it is that I can you turn around and pay. so many politicians. <laughs> I, exactly, yeah, but now yeah. I know that. Why did you, you, yeah, you fund your own campaign? Over, right? <laughs> See, I learned that by that. And, and so it was a great education. And so remember that old saying, all that's needed for evil to triumph is that good people do nothing. And so if you say, I'm not going to run for politics, you have immediately left room for the evil people to go in. But what happens if you're already evil and you're considering running for politics? That's my situation. Well, how evil are you? Do you have a white cat that you stroke? Uh, no, I'm allergic to cats, but I'm not allergic to bribes. Oh, yeah, there's a future for you. There's a strong future for you. As someone who's semi-across Lewis's financials um, uh, situation right now as well, I imagine the bribes, it really tanked the market once Lewis entered politics, you know? If you're currently paying $6,000 to buy for politicians, the moment Lewis gets in there, it's down to, what, a tenth of that, you know? Yeah, 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 I'll take anything. I'll tell you, like, I, fact, have, I, live, yeah. I live a very frivolous lifestyle. Yeah. In fact, quite conveniently, Lewis would actually do most things for about $300 for some reason. I don't know exactly. I can tell you the price is slightly, slightly higher than that. The price is slightly higher than that. You can get Lewis for just a little bit more than that. Carl, you know, when did you say you wrote your first article about climate change? 1981, and that was after I'd read an article about the world's largest reinsurance company. Now, you know about insurance companies. You go there, uh, here's my bicycle, here's my car, give me some money. If it goes bad, I'll give you some money, roughly 3%, right? And then there's the reinsurance companies. And so if a re if an insurance company's got a whole bunch of insurance policies, say for hail damage in the Wollongong area, they will then go to a reinsurance company and cover that bet. And so the reinsurance companies are the big guy. Munich Re in 1973 started factoring in climate change into their insurance premiums. Why? The answer comes from where I get all of my wisdom, the movie The Godfather. 
It's nothing personal, it's just business. They could see in 1973, before the scientists who needed a higher burden of proof, that climate change, or as they called it then, the greenhouse effect, was causing increased floods and it was costing them money. Nothing personal, they just charge more. Go to any insurance company, they still charge. There was no way around it. You've been covering for 40 years. How do you feel about the trajectory of Australia's climate action over that period? Like, how does it make you feel kind of what, like constantly thinking you're doing something because you're one of Australia's biggest science communicators, but knowing if it, knowing everything you're doing is going to waste some sort of, in kind of some, some sort of space, but not really affecting much real change, though you are educating the populace. How do you feel about where we are right now? The longest journey begins with a single step. I'm still doing that first step. And I'm not that big as a science communicator. Come on, you're too kind. But you've got to keep going and doing you it. You know, this podcast started nine years ago as a podcast which spoke a lot about climate change. And, you know, it feels disheartening to kind of no, see where we are because now. We can, and here's point number five in my book. We can fix and reverse global warming. We have the science and the technologies that we need and we, what we can develop. There will be further scientific discoveries and technologies that will make it faster. But right now we can stop emitting gases, we can start the process and be there for electricity within 10 years, for most of transport within 10 years, for planes and ships 15 years, for agriculture about 20 years, industrial processes 10 years. We can do it really quickly. The only thing stopping us is that $1 billion a year that funds so much disinformation and buys politicians. Okay, well, I have 10 bucks I can put in. Run for politics, Dr. <laughs> Naomi. Run and for politics. Have, I'm voting for you. And we've got 149 Patreon subscribers <laughs> that are doing the exact same thing by giving and us it, money. And it goes for you, Dr. Hing, as well, even though you live at home. By the way, <laughs> is that true that you live at home? Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Did you know that you are like the majority of American drug dealers? <laughs> yeah, in more, way, in more ways than one. Um, you know, they live if, if you come out of my house to buy drugs, I will talk to you about my ex-girlfriends as well. Ah. When you get when you go setting about to write this book, like it's a very it's a very it's not a huge book on climate change. It's a very accessible book on climate change, as is a lot of your work. What are the biggest challenges in creating something um, so small to have such a big impact? Writing it, it took me longer to write than a big book, and it puts me in mind of that famous letter by Oscar Wilde from Reading Jail when he started off with. Dear Mr. Illick, I'm awfully sorry that I have se I'm sending you such a long letter, comma, because I didn't have time to write a short one. It took me so much longer to write a 15,000-word book than 50. You can write, read it in one arvo. And do you think you're going to make a bazillion dollars on this one? Is this, one's going to, is this one going to put a new solar panel on your roof? So far, I have made a loss of $4,000 <laughs> because that's what it cost me to pay people to do the fact-checking. Wow. Because I strongly believe um, that the labourer is worthy of their hire and nobody should do anything for nothing. And so I paid them 50 bucks an hour and it worked out to 4000 Same bucks. price as a barrel of oil. Oh, Jesus. Oh. Lewis, how do you feel about <laughs> Carl's um, statement there that people shouldn't do things for nothing? Given that, um, <laughs> um, Carl, thank you so much for joining us on Irrational Fear. If there's one thing you want people to take away from your book and climate change, what is it? We can fix and reverse climate change, and it won't be more expensive. Rather, in the long term, it'll be cheaper. I think that's that is something that we've <laughs> spoken about so much on this podcast, Carl, that it just is so frustrating <laughs> if you say it in such clean language because it, it feels like no one's listening. <laughs> 
Um, Carl, thank you so much. Um, please, next time you want to invest money on fact checkers, could you please buy a politician <laughs> uh, instead? You have got great <laughs> wisdom there, Grasshopper. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for Irrational Fear. Big thank you to all of our guests, Naomi Higgins, Michael Hing, Dr. Carl, Lewis Hobber. Do you, do you folks have anything to plug? Naomi, do you got anything to plug? Yes, my television show. Please watch it on ABC iView. Um, for any international listeners, it's going to be on Netflix soon. So get on all episodes up now. You can binge it. Andrew Bolt didn't, I don't even think he liked it, but he still complained. So you know it's good. <laughs> Michael Hing, <laughs> do you have anything you want to complain about? Uh, not to complain about. I have <laughs> do you have anything to plug? But I'll forego <laughs> my complaints in order to plug uh, something, Dan, if that's all right with you. Uh, I'm going to be at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival from yeah. the Oh, we've just run out of time, actually. So it's really great to have you here. I'm so glad <laughs> we've just run out of time. We can't plug anything else. Uh, it's a real shame. Uh, Lewis Hobart, do you have anything to plug? <laughs> Sorry. No, no. Go Hing, you have plug, please plug your show. Uh, yeah, I'm doing a stand-up comedy show. It's called Kill Hing in the Name of. Uh, it is at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival from the 24th of March until the 5th of a- uh, April. I'll also be doing the Sydney Comedy Festival after that. It's a brand new hour of stand-up comedy. It's all about, um, you know, real funny stuff like having too many therapists and uh, having a lobster <laughs> um, suit that you can't get rid of and a low-level death threat. <laughs> it's classic comedy areas, guys. Get along. Relatable. <laughs> yeah, very relatable. Lewis Humber, do you have anything to plug? Uh, yes. Uh, one show only. Melbourne. Last year, they said we couldn't do it. I predicted it. Dan was out there going irrational fear in 2020. I was like, you're an idiot. Coronavirus. This thing's going to get cancelled. <laughs> what happened? 24 hours later, they cancelled it. I'm Nostradamus. What do I predict this time? An absolute bonfire of comedy on Sunday the 11th. At a time. I've just found out about this hour ago, guys. I'm trying to get, I'm trying to do the best I can. Can't say irrational fear. (laughs) Dr. Carl, do you want to plug anything? Do you want to plug your book? Um, Run for politics, people. And the other thing you can do is shift your money, if you have any, away from fossil fuels. We're going to win. Just to speed it up. That's Dr. Carl's little book of climate change science. Uh, uh, I've spoken to Katan Joshi, noted Twitterer and energy wonk. That's coming out on the greatest moral podcast of our generation uh, on Monday. So stay tuned for that one. Uh, it'll be in your irrational fear feeds. Big thanks to Road Mike's, the Bertha Foundation, our Patreon supporters, our post producer Jacob Brown on the Teppanyaki timeline. This episode of Irrational Fear had contributions from behind the scenes by Kate Holdsworth, Maddie Palmer, Killian David, Ads, Kieran, and a few more on the Discord crew. Until next week, there's always something to be scared of. Good night. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.